The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. All this week on News Talk, we have been partnering with Make Wish Ireland to celebrate Wish Week. And we've been hearing across the station on all different shows how Make a Wish has given hope to so many families uh, during the harder times in their lives. Uh, Somebody who knows all about that work, that great work, is Hugh McElveen. Hugh's daughter, Eve, passed away just this past uh, December. Not before, though, Make a Wish made a huge difference uh, in her young life. Hugh, you're very welcome uh, to the show and thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Before we talk about that work that Make a Wish do with with your family and with others. Tell me a little bit about Eve as a person. Thanks, Kieran, for asking me to come in and for um, giving me the opportunity to talk for Make a Wish. Uh, They made a huge difference for Eve. Um, Eve loved life. Um, Certain words keep coming up the whole time and the different things people say about Eve. She was courageous, um, very kind. Uh, She was funny, bright. Um... She had huge compassion, um, was grateful for everything people did for her. She was she was an absolute joy. I mean, those are the adjectives that just keep coming up again and again to describe her. And when did Eve fall ill? She got ill in March 2001. Um, she collapsed in school. She was vomiting and um, fainted. And it was in April... Uh, 21, 23rd of April, so it was just last Sunday, two years ago, that she was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And how old was she at that time? She was 11. 11 years old. And, I mean, I assume when she when she collapses in schools and she's, she's vomiting, I mean, you know, it's a worrying time for any parent when their child is sick. We don't immediately go to brain tumour in our minds, you know. I mean, at what point did you realise, my God, this is this is really serious here? Yeah, no, we didn't realise it was a brain tumour then at all. As you say, you know, you, you don't think these things mean the type of tumour Eve has affects, I think, about one in a million children. So you don't think that, you know, if you want those odds, you want to win the lotto, don't you? you know? Yeah. You, um, so it wasn't the first thing we jumped to. We went to the hospital, they checked her out, they didn't find anything. Um, uh, she had other seizures. We mentioned the GP. The GP suggested that we bring her straight into Temple Street. That was April. They did a scan, an MRI, and um, they then discovered that she, she had a tumour. Um, they weren't sure what it was. They did a biopsy at that stage, mm. and then they diagnosed a brain cancer. And how soon after that diagnosis was the realisation, maybe it was at the point of diagnosis, that there was going to be no coming back from this in the long term? Yeah. um, I don't know how it is for other parents. Certainly, myself and Catherine, my wife, Eve's mum, we always believed in some sort of hope. I'm the sort of person that if there's one grain of sand on a beach that represents hope, I'll just look for that one grain of sand. And I didn't believe that we wouldn't find something for Eve. Um, the average life expectancy of Eve's cancer, Eve's tumour was inoperable. So uh, her um, expectancy would be shorter than an operable tumour, but her the average life expectancy for Eve's type of cancer was nine months. Eve managed to survive 21. I mean, she really bucked mm. the odds. But we always believed if we researched, if we read, if we looked, we could find something. Um, towards the end of Eve's treatment, she was offered an experimental treatment. 
um, through the French Health Service, for which we're very grateful. Her tumour profile should have matched it. She, you know, she should have been a success story. But being an experimental tumour, there was obviously something within Eve's tumour's makeup that didn't uh, work with the new drug. And so, yeah. And was that, was that the point at which you realised are you accepted maybe is the better no. to use what was going to happen? No, Kieran. maybe we were completely delusional. I'm sure every doctor listening would say, you know, you're completely delusional. Cause now, every parent, though, in your situation yeah. is understandably completely delusional. I think I'm sure so. it must be. And thank God I have no experience. I have no way to relate to this. Um, but I'm sure it's a coping mechanism on some level, that delusion, if we describe it that way. Yeah, I think, though, if you don't have hope, you know, what, what do you have left? Do you know? Um, and you, if, if you're dealing with something so catastrophic and you get out of bed without hope, it just makes the day so much darker than it has to be. Mm. And we just believed we could find something for Eve. And this particular drug could take four months for it to kick in, maybe a little bit longer. She was up towards the very edge of it. So we still believed, well, there is a chance for this, for, for something to happen. And br- brain cancer can be really cruel. Do you know, it can be like a sniper taking your senses one by one. First blindness, then deafness, mobility, incontinence, your personality. It can take all these things one by one. Eve didn't have any of that. Two days before she went into hospital for the last time, she, had a, um, she was playing with her cousins. And then in hospital, she had a massive um, seizure from which she woke up briefly. She said, don't cry mom to her, her mother because her mother was there and mm. was crying and Eve was always concerned for the welfare of other people, above her own welfare, you know. Um, and, uh, and, and so in the end, the, it was just surprisingly quick. As I say, she was playing with her cousins 48 hours before she died and for brain cancer, I believe that's not the norm. And how, because I, I want to come on to Make-A-Wish and the, the incredible day and opportunities that they afforded Eve as well um, but how how did Eve cope with all of this as it was happening I mean it's kind of a funny age you know a bit younger and you might suggest they don't really have a sense of their own mortality I think you probably do or you're certain to de- you're maybe starting to develop it we, at 13 we were, yeah no we were lucky Eve was at the stage where she was diagnosed when she was 11 and if this new drug had worked and she'd been given maybe up to a two-year window that you'd expect with it, she certainly would have started asking tough questions. Mm. Myself and Catherine, we never lied to her because we believed that if she was able to ask the question, she deserved the answer. And we always believed we were going to find something. But to answer your question, she approached her illness with amazing humour and a maturity and courage that I am just absolutely in awe of. Her tumour came back after a year, um, a second tumour actually, secondary tumour, and so she called the two tumours Dumb and Dumber. I mean, she just, you know, she was she was going to take control. She approached it with humour. Mm. Um, she wasn't going to let it define her. Um, after her first time with radiotherapy, when she had a certain amount of hair loss, she didn't want a hair piece. She was going to school as she was. People can take me or leave me. This is who I am. And she wasn't concerned that she had a ball patch. You know, she... She just did it. I don't know if you've seen 
what they do to people when they have brain cancer to give them radiotherapy. But they get this mesh that's like the um, inside of a tennis racket. Mm. And it's a big sheet and they wet it with hot water. They place it over your face. So they mold it to your face and then they've clamps and they pin you to a table so you can't move a millimetre. Okay. And the reason for that is when they focus the brain or the, t- the, the beams on the tumour, yeah. they want to hit just the cancer. They don't want to hit other parts of the brain because that can cause early onset dementia or all sorts of horrible things. So Eve did that, pinned, claustrophobic, not able to move. And, and this was during the HSC hack. So her treatment was interrupted and extended because of the hack. Yeah. She did that every day for six weeks for half an hour and never complained. And when we asked her how she did it, she said, um, I just think of uh, the good things that happen, the, the good people I meet and the things I want to do, playing with her cousins, the fantastic medical team who looked after us. She just took herself out of there and almost meditated on other things. I mean, people older than that pay therapists to learn those strategies. Yeah. You know, Eve just had an amazing resilience and humour to cope with her disease. And she taught myself and Catherine so much throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she, she was the adult. In Yeah, in I was time. about to say, it's the way you describe it, it sounds like she kind of became something of a role model for you and your wife. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she took complete ownership of her disease. Mm. She refused to let it define her. Um, she has some great friends and she couldn't go for a few sleepovers but shortly before Christmas one of her friends organised a pyjama party and this was her last Christmas and even though she was quite tired she still got up she went wasn't going to stop her and she did it and she had a great time and she just made sure she did as much as she could Well in that vein then tell me about Make-A-Wish and when they came uh, uh, on the radar Yeah Make-A-Wish came to us through the social worker at St. Luke's in Rathgar. And this was in the very early stages. So this is 2001, even two rounds of radiotherapy, roughly the summer of both years, 2001, 2002. In 2001, it was so raw, Kieran, um, that we hadn't processed the fatality. We hadn't even believed, as I said, because we we're still living off this whole hope. And I pushed Make-A-Wish to one side because, yeah, that's for terminally t- ill children. That's that's not for Eve. But then as times went on, I just thought, you know, we actually need a little bit of a lift here. We, we need something, a little bit of fun. So I got in with them uh, or got in touch with them. A wonderful person, Romy Dunford, uh, was our liaison. She couldn't have done more. Um, and just an exceptional person who went above and beyond. Um, and they... I sent out a little workbook for myself and Eve. Well, I did it with Eve because Mm. I was sort of work part-time from home, so I was helping Eve. And went through a workbook and from that then, Romy worked out the things that Eve really, really enjoyed. And two things Eve really enjoyed. um, Billie Eilish was introduced to her by her cousin Lily. And, um, but it wasn't Billie Eilish the star. She just loved Billie Eilish can-do attitude, mm. wrote her own music, recorded her own music, produced her own music. She was such a role model for young women and Eve just loved the music and she would love to have had a talk with Billie Eilish. Um, Make-A-Wish organised a video message from Billie and Eve was delighted with that but it wasn't quite what Eve wanted. Romy knew that and so Romy said, is there something else we can do? And Eve has always loved animals from we, we got the family dog, uh, Faye Ray, 
who was named after the heroine in the first King Kong mm. movie. But we got Faye Ray when Eve was two years old. And so Eve's life, Faye was always part of Eve's life. I'd come down in the morning and Eve would be asleep in the dog basket with Faye. <laughs> um, Faye was just the most gentle dog, probably the only dog I've ever met who I'd trust with a newborn baby. But Eve would have tea parties. She'd make Faye sit down. She'd tie a napkin around Faye's neck and Faye would just sit there. Eve loved animals. And always wanted to work with animals. So um, we thought of maybe a zookeeper as a make-a-wish mm. um, for Eve. They got in touch with the zoo and, and, and that's how it came about. And they organised a make-a-wish day at the zoo um, for Eve. And how important a day was that for Eve? Oh, massively. Um, Eve, for all her courage and for all her fearlessness, could be quite a shy person. I mean, she'd really stand up for the things she believed in and she'd call people out for being mm. mean. I mean, she wasn't very tall, but she'd call bullies out in the playground and stuff like that. You know, she was tough like that. But she wouldn't necessarily jump in and be the centre of attention. Mm. Um, by the end of the day, uh, the one of the Make-A-Wish facilitators, Jasmine, um, she just gave her such a massive hug at the end of the day. And Christina, who was the zookeeper who brought us around, Christina Murphy, um, herself and Eve became firm friends by the end of the day. And we would go back and visit Christina at the zoo. And Christina would have various enrichments for the animals because animals in the zoo need stimulation. So one really quick example is Christina would get a big basin of fish, fill it with water, put it in the freezer, take this wheel of frozen fish and throw it into the sea lines and then mm. bash it about to get the fish. Yeah. And so we'd go back and we'd do those things with Christina. So the Make-A-Wish Day lasted for the rest of Eve's life because Christina became our friend. It was just incredible. I, I mean, yeah. And Christina's running the marathon in Dublin for Make-A-Wish. Christina, right? Christina's taking part in Dublin City Marathon and she's yeah. doing it for Make-A-Wish and uh, very kindly she's doing it in Eve's name. So ah, that's we're, lovely. We're, uh, you know, I, yeah, Christina's one in a million. We're we're just delighted to know her. Well, um, listen, it's, it is great to hear the the impact that that had on on Eve because you know we've been hearing similar stories of, of just the incredible, incredible work that Make a Wish do, and that people like Romy and Christina and other people as well working with them and and how they uh, touch people's lives at such a difficult time. Hugh, thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you very much. Yeah, the reason uh, that we have been uh, speaking with you and others uh, throughout the week is because we've partnered here with Make a Wish Ireland to celebrate Wish Week and and hearing those incredible stories like yourself, you uh, about you and your family and 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 even other brave children and how Make a Wish has given uh, such hope to people during hard times. And Make a Wish Ireland, they receive no government funding, entirely dependent on the generosity uh, of the public. And given today is Wish Day, we would ask you to donate if you can. Any small amount would be hugely appreciated. You can do it online if you go to makeawish.ie forward slash donate. You can do it there if you text my wish, all one word and uh, no space. It's just my wish to five zero three zero zero. That's fifty three hundred. Just my wish. It will donate. Uh, it will cost you four euro, and it will donate three sixty to make a wish. And on Revolut, you can do it as well. Just search Make a Wish Ireland in Revolut uh, donations. You thank you uh, again very much for speaking to us. Kevin in the Midlands has gotten in touch. I had to pull over at the side of the road in tears listening to that brave father. And somebody else has the strength of that man talking about the loss of his daughter. Incredible. I'm a father and I couldn't even imagine trying to deal with it, crying here uh, for his loss. 
the hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.